Very excited about today's show, but before we begin, we've got Jesse Ledoux with our product feature of the week. Jesse, tell us what you uh, got for us. Hey, Stephen. So I don't really have a product, but I have a resource that people can use. Is that okay with you? I love resources. Bring them okay. on. Okay. Fabulous. So for today's call that you'll hear in a bit, we're talking all about how to improve your quality as an MC, a pageant MC or speaking engagement, et cetera. And our new website, pageantplanet.com, gives people the ability to create a profile, in which case they can identify themselves as an MC. And then pageants looking for MCs in your area or you're contacting people, you can kind of link back to that directory as a virtual business card. So it's a way to really create a professional presence in the pageant industry as an MC. Yeah, and we get a lot of requests for pageants who are looking for MCs. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there's obviously there's a lot of requests for male MCs because you have that male-female combination. And yep. females are in our industry, right? A little easier to find in this category. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's a great, great resource there. And um, for girls, especially like directors will gladly reach out to you. They just don't know that you're wanting to MC or they don't know what your experience. So kind of walk us through what are some of the unique aspects about these profiles mm-hmm. yep. and how it actually helps people get booked as an MC. Absolutely. So there's two different things that I suggest. The first is if you have a profile on Pageant Planet right now, I want you to go to it. I want you to make sure that you have a photo added because one of the biggest things we're hearing when people are looking for resources on pageantplanet.com, whether it's an MC, a makeup artist, a coach, et cetera, they are so much more likely to book or look into you if you have a photo, a quality photo on your profile. So that's number one. So add a photo if you haven't already. And the second is in that bio section, create your essential like digital resume. Tell me what events you've done so far or what qualifications you have. And that way, when someone clicks on it, it's not just, okay, we know she's available. It's contact her to learn more. They don't have to take that next step. They can see right then and right there that you are able and ready. Yeah, it's really cool because, I mean, you can tag like, oh, I've emceed this pageant, I've emceed that pageant. Mm -hmm. So you can tag those in. And if the pageants aren't already in our database, you can add them in. So with just a few clicks of a button. So um, where do they go to to sign up, to register, all that fun stuff? And is there any kind of cost associated with this? So as always, our directory features are completely free. So if you are a business or a contestant or a coach listening, it is a no-brainer if you haven't signed up already. So you visit pageantplanet.com, and the first thing you do is in the upper right-hand corner, it'll say sign up or log in. Click that, and then when you're signing up, make sure that you have MC selected and you are good to go. Awesome. Thanks, Jesse. Welcome to the Pageant Planet Podcast, where we help you succeed in pageantry. Now, here's your host, Stephen Roddy. Welcome, everyone, to another episode. Today, Jesse and myself, we are going to discuss the six tips for building your MC job opportunities. So, Jesse, go ahead and set the stage for us. Hey, Stephen. Um, so, pageant contestants specifically, both past and present, make for great masters of ceremonies or mistress of ceremonies, whatever you want to call them, um, because they're, they're natural speakers, they're comfortable on stage and know firsthand what it takes to put on a great show because they know the flow, they know what's expected, et cetera. So whether you're an experienced MC listening um, or you're looking to build your hosting portfolio today, we're going to discuss tips to consider when you are 
um, on location or would be helpful to mention to the event coordinator to give them confidence that you have what it takes and are prepared for the job. Yeah, and I just think because of the nature of being a title holder or in pageantry, I mean, you're at appearances, you're working the crowd, you're doing like high intense interview. It just makes like you organically without even any formal training and public speaking, like you, you do good. You do good. And there's never been a pageant girl that I've like co emceed with that just struggle bust her way through. She just found a right. way to like get through, like regardless of how awkward the situation was. And uh, you know, as well as I do, that sometimes there can be some very awkward situations. So this podcast is going to help us remove those awkward moments in emceeing. Uh, Oh, absolutely. And, you know, like you said, it's one of those things where some people have a natural knack for it, but pageant girls have the ability to think on their feet or they have the ability to um, find opportunity in those dead moments where things aren't going right or you have to wait or they're still tallying. So they know what it takes. And I love that you said that. All right. So give us the first tip on basically helping to do awesome during your MC job. So the first is, and as always, we kind of polled our Instagram audience to get their thoughts. So we'll incorporate those as well. So the first tip for uh, building your MC or hosting or um, any of that stuff um, for job opportunities is be professional. And this came from Enlightened Expressions. And they said, read your contestants cards before the event starts. So any names you have a problem with saying, you can ask how to pronounce. Be engaging with your audience, even though they know what is is a practice event, you want your MC to feel natural and fun. Know your event, point out details and fun facts about the event taking place. For example, some did you know statements are very engaging. Okay, so she said a lot there. Can you break it down for us like what you feel like it means? So the biggest thing here is like, would you ever want to show up to a job interview without doing adequate research, looking the part or understanding the objectives of your job? Would you ever do that? No, no, absolutely not. And whether it's like your first hosting gig or your 21st, it's important to be grounded and mentally prepared for the task ahead. And what I mean by that is a lot of contestants get plucked by their former systems to come back and MC. And it can be really easy to be too comfortable in that setting. You know everyone, you know you have some clout, people will know you, recognize you, et cetera. It doesn't matter. You still want to walk in as though this is your first gig with that kind of a strategy and that focus. Yeah, because ultimately that does reflect on your personal brand, like how mm-hmm. well you do up there. And people will either increase the amount of level of respect for they have or it'll go down a notch, even if they are... Um, friends, of course, your family and friends are going to love you regardless, right? Um, however, it's really important for your personal brand that you present yourself in as professional a manner as possible. Mm-hmm. So um, how to execute this? I mean, I think it speaks for itself, but I do have some specific tips I wanted to share. And the biggest shocker to me when I started MCing was you can't actually watch the show. You may think you have the best seat in the house because you're right next to the contestants. You see it all, but you are totally wrong because instead of watching a contestant do a really sneaky wardrobe transition on stage which is really exciting and the audience will ooh and ah your job is to keep an eye on your next cue and make sure you say the correct contestant name and number because how mortifying is it if you announce the wrong person next or you re-announce the same person or they're on stage i mean you can just see the mortification if that's even a word on the contestant's face when you say the wrong name they don't know if they should go if they should stop and then the judges are confused 
it's just a big mess. So you can't watch the show. You need to be like totally honed in on that script. Yeah, and it is challenging because if you do announce the wrong girl, the girl, the contestant who's on stage is walking and all of a sudden she doesn't hear her name. So she stops and is like, wait should I be out here? You know, and then she's confused, which will Mm -hmm. reflect like her confidence on stage. And I mean, uh, pretty much all these mistakes or challenges or whatever I've experienced. And some of them were my own darn fault and others were, you know, I wasn't put in the best opportunity to succeed. Um, However, I've done this. And one, one of the times I've done it that I'm thinking of, the script was just wrong. So I'm just Mm -hmm. reading the script and the audience is just like, (gasps) like, no, it's not right. And then I'm looking at my notes, attention, look at the girl, like, okay, who is this girl? You Mm -hmm. know? And when that happens, don't like try to like justify yourself or throw the director on the bus or anybody else. Right. Like you're there to be the master of ceremony. So just like own it and, and move on. So you just read and it's like, okay, um, look over if the girl's wearing a sash, just do deductive reasoning. And, um, if not, somebody will be pretty close by traditionally and can whisper the girl's name to you. Um, the other was my own darn fault because I was doing, as you said, watching the show and I kind of mm-hmm. zoned out and I'm like, crap, where am I? I lost my place. And I didn't, that was before I always kept a finger on whoever was next. Mm-hmm. Because if a girl has a really long evening gown walk sometimes, and she's on there for like 45 seconds, a minute, or longer, like for those little cute little girls that just like, they just camp out on stage, you know, your yeah. mind can have a tendency just to wander away. And especially if it's towards the end of the pageant and you don't have as many carbs that day, <laughs> so you're just like, wait, where am I? So always keep a finger on there. That'll help you keep on track. And as Jesse said, like, keep your eye on the eye on the prize there. And I think it's important to note too, a lot of the bigger pageants or more seasoned pageants will have a total crew behind you. So your job is to strictly be the master of ceremonies not to be the producer. So if you if you do have a note on your page that is wrong, like Steven said, you can sometimes deduce, but otherwise you have to keep going as the script says, someone else will rectify that. Your job is not to save the show. Your job is to follow the script. Yep. Okay, great. So that's the first one. The first one is be professional. And you know, professionalism is, gosh, I mean, so many different angles to this from... Well, we'll cover the other ones. All right. So let's just go ahead and drive into strategy number two. Yeah. So strategy number two, and we will see a little bit of repetition in some of these tips, but they will all come together. I promise. It's take time to perfect details. So you want to read up on the event during the low times or break, surprise them with facts about the event or venue. Don't let all that free time go to waste. Show them that you are not only a beauty. And Stephen, of course, we know you are also a beauty. Our male MCs are good to look at also. I'll take it. But have a great mind as well and that you'll be coming back from and that'll have you coming back for more events. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. So with with all this, what is it what does it really mean? Yeah, so I'm going to use this tip and the last tip to build on for this tip. Um, but essentially what they're saying is like really put the time and energy into before the pageant and perfecting those moments. And what it means is like there's like I can't think of anything worse as a contestant like we just said than paying hundreds if not thousands of dollars to enter a pageant and the MC says your name wrong for the 30 seconds that you actually do have on stage alone. And like, even if you're, so if your grandma's in the audience, even if like she's the sweetest woman ever and murder has never been like a thought that crossed her mind, if you pronounce her granddaughter or grandson's name wrong in a pageant, murder on the mind by grandma, I tell you, (laughs) like they are so ticked and it's just like really not cool. And it's an easy way for the audience to like 
look at you in a negative light. So you need to make sure that the details, whether you're talking about stats of about the event are correct, existing title holders, current contestants, you just have to have all of that down pat. You know, and the challenging thing is sometimes people have really complicated names and the spelling of it is strangely unique, you know? So mm -hmm. how can they execute this to basically put their best heel forward? Yep. So whenever I'm um, at a pageant, I ask the choreographers if I can have five minutes with the contestants as a group to go through their names to ensure pronunciation is correct. I um, So I don't know what type of scripts you're looking at, but if it's either on a page or a note card, et cetera, I usually will phonetically write their last name as I see it. And that way, I, every single time I see it in the script, it goes back to that phonetic spelling. Um, so, so, so important. And if you're a contestant listening, if the MC says your name incorrectly and incorrectly in rehearsal, don't stop in the middle of practicing your walk to correct them or at the end of your walk, because like we said, they're following the script. They're on to the next contestant. Uh, mention it to the chaperones or directors immediately after your turn, though, someone that's off the stage and not running through the flow of the show, and they can either correct the MCs. And if it happens again, you'll want to mention it to the MC directly, but during a break. Yeah, and there's situations that I've been in with the smaller pageants. Um, I don't even necessarily get the opportunity to speak to contestants prior. Um, so with that, like, you know, pull aside maybe um, somebody who knows the girl, because a lot of times you'll be dubbed up with a co-host, somebody that already is knowledgeable of all the contestants competing, or like you said, like find the choreographer or kind of the second in charge and say, can I run through this list? Um the other thing that, that I do, particularly with pageants that are not as organized, is um, I will ask them, like, if everybody has a title, like, hey, you know, would you mind if we just ran through the title because I didn't have time or you didn't give me the opportunity or whatever to go through everyone's names? So offering that as a suggestion, sometimes the directors, they're flustered. They're not even really thinking about it because they have so many things on their plate. Yeah. So if you offer that as a suggestion, just say, I want to make sure that... I get everybody's, all the girls' names right. However, I didn't have time to make sure I get everybody's names right. And I would just, you know, be devastated if I got their name wrong on stage. Do you mind if I just read their titles? A lot mm -hmm. of times directors are like, okay, that's fine. You know, so, um, you know, offer that as a suggestion if the director doesn't set you up for success and if everyone has a local, local title to their name. And you brought up another great point, Stephen. If you have a partner in crime that you're emceeing with, if you have a rehearsal and you don't have that ability to be one-on-one, -on -one, maybe one person is doing the cadence of announcing the contestants so the rehearsal flows smoothly, but your partner is waiting back in the wings confirming pronunciations with you. So it's not, is it necessarily important for you to go back and forth with your MC partner, it is important, but it's more important to say the contestant's name right. Yeah, and one of the, you know when we're doing the the co MC thing, if Jesse and I was co MCing something, and then let's say that there were six H divisions, um, so that I can be the master of my H division, she can be the master of hers. We just choose. Okay, which H divisions do you want to take? She does that. I do mine. And then that way it's all good. And I read yeah. my age division for crowning. She reads her age division for crowning. And it just takes care of it because, again, nothing's worse than you get to crowning and somebody just hands you the paper. Well, the pronunciation that you pronunciation pronunciation that you had written out for it, it's not there. It's on somebody else's so It's because somebody else just kind of wrote that in. And a lot of times you don't have time to do that. So um, by sticking with that, you have a better cadence of how everybody's name is supposed to sound. 
Yes, and I don't think I shared who gave us that tip, but it was Ms. America Pure. Mm. That's good. I want to make sure they got a shout out. Yep, I appreciate that. All right. Um, okay, what's the next strategy? The next strategy is to be prepared with filler. So we talked about having doing the research and having the details to kind of interject here and there, but we haven't really talked about filler. Um, this note came from Courtney Lynn K, our friend Courtney Kester, and she said, always, always have extra material. You never know when you need to stall and buy extra time. This can range from other events going in conjunction with the pageant event, fun facts about the current title holder, pageant itself, director, and then she says, which I think is really important, all material I check for approval ahead of time. So key there. Um, and then she went the extra mile. She said, I even had a talent group waiting in the wings, which you may not have the luxury of at any pageant that you're emceeing, but I think it's a great thought about being prepared for those moments. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so how do you execute this? How do you personally come up with some uh, filler content? Well, I think we all know what this means, right? It's like you have those moments in the script, and either they're still missing contestant number seven, she's not ready in her fitness outfit or her evening gown, so they can't send the entire first group out. Or they say, may I have the audio, uh, the envelope, please? And they're like, no, nope, we can't have it yet because we're not ready. So you have those moments, and it can be tempting to talk all about like yourself um, and, or like personal stories, and a lot of those are valuable. But you don't want it to become your your autobiography on stage. Um, so doing those like that research is really important and like running it by the director is key. Like, Oh my gosh, you never want the director to be displeased with what you say or what you share. Um, because with that saying, you want to be invited back. Your job is to make them happy. So certainly run it by, but, um, to execute this, roll up your sleeves, put your stalker shades on and like look up the pageant on the internet and the location first and foremost. That's the easiest thing. It relates to every single person in the audience. Yeah. And if I'm co emceeing with uh, a title holder in the system, I'll ask her because everybody likes like funny stories or interesting stories. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, I will meet with them prior to going out on stage. I'm like, okay, what's something funny or interesting that's happened to you? Like when you were miss whatever. Um, and then we'll kind of, do and share different stories. I just try to keep it lighthearted and you want to also keep the story that doesn't require length. It can be quickly shortened if you need to because all of a sudden contestant number seven shows up and it's like, all right, wrap up the story. Not like, okay, we've got four more minutes left of the story. So contestant number seven needs to wait. I mean, you're there to be <laughs> just to fill the dead space until the contestant steals the show. So what we do um, is on the note cards or whatever, we have a separate sheet of paper. Here's a little cliff notes of what we're going to do, what we're going to ask. And always, it's always better to have more than less, especially if this is your very first time emceeing this particular pageant. You don't know how organized the director is. You just don't. So, like, I mean, they could be horrible at tallying scores and you might need 10, 15 minutes of filler. Mm -hmm. No lie. I was at a pageant once. I was a judge this here. It, the pageant itself was um let's see it started at seven so it was over five hours long and it was oh an hour gosh. and a half for them to tally scores oh my gosh can you i mean we were was i doing the tallying that no. sounds like if, if it, it was me that'd be the length i i i mean i've been on at a pageant where a girl was drunk on stage you know and it was just like and it was i mean just so many different things like you just never know what's going to happen. Somebody else I'm pretty sure was high. And at the same pageant, another girl got kicked out um, for bringing a boy back to her room when she had a roommate. 
Oh my god! It was like a Saturday Night Live skit. Okay. Anyways, I digress. So you just never really know what um, what you're going to get into when you're emceeing this pageant. So it's better to be um, over prepared um, rather than under. Oh, for sure. And I would say, like the pageant itself, like they're usually pretty good. Most pageants are pretty good with including in the script any notable facts or details about that year. Like, for example, Miss America had 2.0. So you know that MC was directed to talk about Miss America 2.0, the changes, the direction, et cetera. So a lot of the times that'll be what the directors or the staff will want you to talk about. So just having that quick conversation, if you're able, makes a big difference. Did you see um, this total side change? But did you see where Carrie Ann and Abba? Oh, my gosh. Where she said <laughs> she posted that photo. Um she posted that photo of her and it was Nia, right? And no, it was it was it was Kara. Oh, okay. So it was a photo of her and Kara, and then Carrie Ann and Abba said, um, I, "When I ever I say her name, I try to say it like the guy who's been dancing with the stars." Yeah, um, of course. But she said, "Hanging out with new Miss America Gretchen Carlson." <laughs> it's like what a car was last year and Gretchen is the CEO but somebody obviously informed her and she took it she took it right down but fun fact like Renata and I we were um backstage at Miss America and um this was actually the night before because we were there with all the former um mm -hmm. Miss Americas like for prelims and all that stuff and we had to leave earlier to set up the Miss America suite because you know Renata and I we help oversee all the Miss Americas and the suite and so we left to cut out a little bit early to make sure everything was kosher for the royalty when they showed up and mm -hmm. you know there was Carrie Ann and she was walking I guess there practicing or whatever her and her little entourage and she is super short she's probably like five four so oh, short Steven, we've had this conversation <laughs> that breaks my heart when you say that <laughs> well yeah um <laughs> I have no recovery. I, I don't feel super short in life, Stephen. Okay. But she seems so much taller. I mean, I guess because she's always sitting down and they adjust her chair height to be the same as um, the other people on Dancing with the Stars. But yeah, I just did. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's so short. She's going to be like five feet. She's probably like five feet, maybe 4'11". Yeah. Five foot tall with heels? Five foot four with heels on? No, she didn't have heels when I saw it, which is probably why she seems so small. Dang it. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Where in the heck were we? Okay, we were at the next tip. Okay, so bring us the next strategy for um, success when emceeing. Okay, keep to your cues. Okay, to break it and down. And this was my tip, so I don't have a, an Instagram person, but this is my tip. Give your own Instagram. Um, oh, at Jesse Ledoux, J-E-S-S-E-L-A-D-O-U-E. -S -S -E Boom, okay. Anywho, um, okay, so what it means to um, keep to your cues is, for the most part, being able to ad-lib is a major skill. Some people have it or they don't, like we talked about earlier. It's one of the greatest natural abilities of all of the best MCs. Um, but many pageants, though, employ a sound and lighting crew that depends desperately on the cues written in the script. So while you may want to deviate from what's written, be more natural, it can lead to a production disaster if you don't at least yield to those key lines. Yeah, and when you're ad-libbing, you know, you don't want to necessarily go on a monologue. Ad-libbing a lot of times is just like a sentence or a, ooh, that was awkward, you know? Um, so some of the times what I do when I'm ad-libbing is like if I make a mistake and uh, like I fumble over my words, I'm like, hmm, 
okay, that was interesting. Or if I do a joke that doesn't go over well, like people are just like, womp, womp. Um, I always say, and kind of act like I'm scratching it off the script. I'll say, okay, never write that one again. Got it. Okay. And then that normally gets a few chuckles because I mean, yeah. it just kind of is what it is, right? So it's important to to read the script and then, as you said, like not necessarily be a tie to it, like where you have to mention every comma, every phrase word. However, those traditional or those transitional words, sentences that cues everyone else is important. So give us kind of a how-to. How do you do this to make sure that you stay on point for those important cues? Yeah, so what I like to do is I use a highlighter or an identifying symbol, like I, I will star a section in pen um, to pull me back in for those important moments. So as I'm ad-libbing, having a more natural conversation, and most of the time it's just my co-MC and I will read beforehand and be like, okay, that doesn't really sound like something I would say to you or it doesn't sound like the way I would say it to you. So it's just kind of changing those syntax things, syntax things, not really the overall sentiment of the message. But as I'm ad-libbing or having more of that natural conversations, I know before I segue to the next section of the show to review my script and find that highlighted moment. So I'm ad-libbing, ad-libbing, ad-libbing. And then I say, okay, well, on to the next phase of competition, which could be the cue for the lighting and the music to start. And that is what makes a great show. Yeah. And what I want to encourage you is while you are ad-libbing to be conscientious of phrases that you might commonly use. However, if emceeing, if you find yourself, whenever you deviate from the script, that you continually use the same phraseology or the same filler word, whatever, if it's like and um, or I say awesome a lot, um, things of that nature, it can start to become distracting for the audience. I, I know I've been sitting in the audience where an MC is using that and I'm very sympathetic for MCs because obviously that's, I mean, I do that. Um, but I've noticed that when someone starts using the same filler word time in and time, I start counting. I'm like, there it is again. There it is again. There oh, it is again. No. And then I just start, I, I, I keep hearing it. So just be conscientious of yourself. Take your time you know, realize and think through like sometimes a moment on stage, like one second on stage where it takes for you to think and process something to you. It seems like an eternity. It's like, Oh my gosh, I haven't spoken for five minutes to the audience. It just seems like a natural pause. So just take your time and be conscientious of what's coming out of your mouth. Yep. Great point. Okay. All right. What's the next strategy? Okay, the next strategy is dress appropriately. And this note came from Amy Miller of AM Consulting. And um, one, she gave us lots of tips, but I wanted to call out one specifically. She said, check that your ensemble is stage ready. And she made a funny joke. She said, if I had a nickel for every short skirt that showed up to MC, I'd have enough to buy the extra fabric to cover and then she, of course, oh, that's it. witty. Yeah. <laughs> so um, very funny, but totally, I totally, totally agree. Um, because as you MC, um, like you should draw positive attention to yourself with your wardrobe, but still not be so outlandish that you take away from the contestant. So you have to look nice and you have to be like, oh, wow, she looks great. But you don't want people's eyes to constantly be going to your ensemble instead. Yeah, completely. And you know, guys really have it easy here. Um, you always wear a suit when you're emceeing or a suit or a tuxedo. And if you find yourself, quote, overdressed, you can always just take off the tie. And then uh, if you find yourself way overdressed, you can take off a tie and jacket and just do the slacks and the, and the button up. And that's always social acceptable. So guys have it super easy for 
women, Jesse, like what's your baseline when you're emceeing? Well, I think a gown is always a safe bet, like a solid color, long, simple gown, nothing too flashy, nothing too um, crazy. But I also think you have to be comfortable. So you want to make sure, like, obviously, when you are competing in a pageant, you often wear things that restrict your movement because it looks good. Like, think about an off the shoulder gown, like you can't move your arms higher than like elbow width, right? Because you can't go anywhere, but you would not want to wear something like that when you're emceeing because you are, you never know. You may have to sweep yourself backstage to grab something from a director or present an award or anything like that. You don't want anything too low cut where it doesn't fit properly, where you're constantly pulling at it. Or if you turn the wrong way, you don't want a wardrobe malfunction. So keep it clean and classic and comfortable. No, that's great. So anything else that you feel like is important to add there about like how to execute this? Well, I would just um, think about like at your rehearsal, think about the different positions you'll have to be in. For example, like I, I know many MCs have to hold the microphone for people when they're doing their onstage interview. Think about where your arm is. Think about how often it'll be there. Think about what the audience will see. And you say, okay, well, I had this really low side um, gown, but I don't really think that's appropriate. So I'm going to shift it up. But think about all the different positions you'll be in during the show and evaluate your wardrobe from there. So I would always say pack extra options. Um, and like also remember, like you're standing for a long time. Contestants are running backstage. They're changing. They can sit backstage. You could be standing, like you said, Stephen, if you had a, if you had a female MC at that pageant, you said where it took five hours to calculate or an hour and a half to calculate. It was like a five hour pageant. My goodness, that female MC is standing next to you that whole time. So wear shoes that are comfortable um, and that you can stand in for extended periods. Oh, and if you didn't hear our other episode on like the heel hack, um, mm. you, you want to share that one? Yeah. So the one that worked best in this experiment we saw was to tape your second and middle toe together. So the one next to your big toe and the middle toe together. And for some reason, um, it will put less stress on a specific nerve underneath your foot. So I love that because you can wear it with open toe as well because you really can't, if you're using like a clear medical tape, and again, you're the MC. No one's staring at you the way they're staring at their favorite contestant. Yeah, and our queen of uh, queen of support, and she modeled at Atlanta Market, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, it worked like a charm." She's like, "Yes, the, yeah." She's like, "At the end of the day, you're still on your like walking in heels for nine, ten hours." So I mean, there comes a point of no return, so that's going to hurt. She's like, "However, it did certainly increase the amount of time I could stay pain free on the, yeah. the heels." So. Cool. Yep. All right. So that's that. What is our last strategy for just like kind of crushing it at the MC? So the yes, absolutely. And this is the biggest one, and we've alluded to it all day. And it's know who the stars of the show are. And this came from Around Town TV um, on Instagram. She said, "Been in pageantry and have emceed for 36 years. Wow. wow, that's quite an experience. So so much of what has been said here, I agree with and do. The contestants are the stars of the show. So so true. Yeah, and you know, whenever I start to get nervous for a particular pageant. Um, emceeing, I just realized that these people aren't here to see me. Like, it doesn't matter. As long as I hold the stand, read the mic, or read the script, wait, hold the mic, read the script, and say <laughs> the contestant's name accurately and in order, I am doing my job, right? Mm -hmm. And then I'm there to obviously bridge any gaps. But at the end of the day, all those people didn't come to see you, the MC. They, they're coming to see their contestants and to cheer them on. So just say their name. Get out of the way and really don't attempt to steal the show. Don't attempt to make the show about you because it's not. 
Yes. And if the audience is talking about you the day after the pageant, you have not done your job. And typically that means that they're talking about you. You wore something crazy. You messed up somebody's name. You were watching the show and not following the script or you're being careless and not following direction in rehearsal. Ahem, Steve Harvey <laughs> and saying the wrong name. Yeah. And, you know, with, with all this, like you just you want to be uh, really take a servant approach, which might seem a bit of a dichotomy because you are in the spotlight and everybody sees you and you're speaking the most on the microphone, etc. Always keep, though, in mind that you're there to serve those contestants and to serve the audience and just help with the transitions. That's, re that's really at the end of the day. That's what you're there for. So, you know, don't. You don't have to be overly witty. You don't have to worry about how everybody's looking at you because, as Jesse said, you don't really want people talking about you after. You just want them to say, wow, that was a good production. And, you know, I really like the girl that won. That's that's it. Yep. How, sure. do you, how do you execute this from your perspective? Yeah, for sure. So it's just about having me um, like if you have the ability to talk through like the week or the weekend with the contestants, like make sure they feel comfortable with you as their hosts, but allow them to talk and learn more about them versus you. So be a sponge with them, allow them to um, have those moments where you, they feel like you care about their success. And it can be as simple as you like asking about how to spell their name correctly. Or like when you have those awkward moments during rehearsal where they're sitting right next to you doing on stage question, just like, like for, for a woman MC, like feel comfortable, like put your hand on their back, make sure that they feel safe um, with you on stage with them. Yeah. And one of the things I do, it might seem like a small thing, but I compliment the girls on their dresses. Like, I'm like wow, that's a really pretty dress. Renata. So I was Renata's MC before she even, before we were dating, you know, so that's kind of how we met the first time. It was just like real quick. And then we met more like at a fashion show in New York is when we got to know each other, but it was just kind of a high buy sort of thing. But she said, I still remember that you complimented my dress when I turned the corner and you smiled and thumbs up like great dress. And she said that really helped calm me down before I went on stage and I wasn't talking and nobody else saw it. It's just like thumbs up. Great dress. You look great. Yeah. Uh, and she was like, I remember that that really calmed me down. So you never really, and I didn't know that it wasn't like she told me that in the, in the moment. Um, and so you just, you're the one holding the microphone. The girl's a little bit anxious before going out. Um, uh, obviously you want to stay focused hundred percent on your job so that you can maintain that level of professionalism and do all the things that we spoke about previous. Mm -hmm. However, it doesn't like paying a compliment never hurts. Well, I, I think that's a great suggestion and I want to make something clear to the audience that's listening today is Steven did that not into the microphone. He did it like he said privately quietly so no one else would have even known he did it except the contestant so one last tip that wasn't like included in our tip that i would suggest is be completely objective mm -hmm. so if you say great job after somebody does their onstage question you better say that to every single contestant afterwards because you don't want anyone to look back and say, well, that MC said great job. So it clued to the judges that they should score them higher. So keep that in mind too. So any comment you make to one contestant, it needs to be equal across the board. So a simple thank you will suffice every time. So valuable. And I will also note that there was no other contestants around. It was just Renata and I, like um, before she was walking on stage. Yeah. And it wasn't like, 
I was on one side of the stage and she was completely on the other side, just getting ready to walk out. And she happened to look at me and I just mouth, good job. Like you, you look good, like thumbs up. Um, yeah. But so no other contestant knew that I paid her a compliment. So, and also like if you single out one girl in a big audience, like, oh my God, love your dress. The other four are like, do you not like my dress? And yeah. then you also seem inauthentic. It's like, and I love your dress and your dress and your dress and yours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, use, use with, um, use with caution, I guess is what I'm attempting to say. However, a, a little compliment can really help add to the contestants experience. Totally agree. Great. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. And if you've gotten any benefit from this particular episode or ones previous, we just encourage you to leave a five-star review. It might seem like a small thing, but um, it really helps us keep the show going.